This is Tina Douglas, and you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast with your host, my husband, Liam Douglas. Enjoy! Greetings, you're listening to the Liam Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Liam Douglas, and this is episode 184. So normally on Sundays, I do the latest news and rumors weekly roundup from the big four rumor sites. But this week, I wanted to do something a little bit different once again, and I do apologize to my regular listeners. I've done in the last couple episodes, I've talked quite a bit about Fuji and Fuji cameras and lenses. And the episodes have been hugely popular. And then I was watching the review video by the guys from DP Review, Chris and Jordan, and I thought they did an excellent video uh, review on the GFX 50S2 and the 35 to 70 millimeter lens. So I thought for this episode, I'm going to go ahead and share the audio from their review video. And then at the tail end, I'll give you my thoughts. So without further ado, here are Chris and Jordan from DP Review TV doing their re- their review of the GFX 50S2 and the 35 to 70 millimeter lens. So I'm actually really looking forward to reviewing this brand new GFX body, Jordan, because like, you know, shallow depth of field. We've already looked at all the lenses, so I just want to focus on like 110 millimeter F2. Just beautiful. That's my artistic vision. That's where I'm kind of going. They brought out a new kit lens, the 3570, and I think you'd be doing your viewers a huge disservice if you didn't really focus on this new optic. you, Jordan. Welcome back to Preview TV viewers. It is Chris Nichols here, and today we are playing with a pre-production version of the Fujifilm GFX 50S2. It's not a Mark II, it's not a version two, it's not part du, it's not Arabic two, it is Roman numeral two, but you don't say Roman anyways. So we've got this pre-production camera. Is this just a GFX 100S body with an older 50 megapixel sensor in it? Yes and no. And in this video, I want to explain the nuances between this and the GFX 100S and talk about some of the interesting features you might not know that set this apart. Now for most of the shots I'm gonna be taking for the sample gallery, I'm gonna use the new kit lens that's being released with the 50S2. This is their new 35 to 70. It's a 4.5 to 5.6. I know that doesn't sound very fast, but keep in mind that this is a medium format sensor. So in full frame terms, this lens is more like a 28 to 55 with equivalent depth of field of what you'd expect out of like a 3.5 to 4.5 lens. So you can certainly achieve nice shallow depth of field. It's a very compact lens. It's actually got a 
collapsible design. It is very lightweight. However, it does not have an aperture ring. Now for myself, where I'm using different brands of cameras every week, I find that an easy adjustment to make. I'm just using the command dials on the body. But if you're a hardcore Fujifilm user and you do like having the aperture ring there, keep in mind, it won't be there. And you might find that a little bit disorientating. Full disclosure, guys, I just realized that disorientating is probably not a word. I was trying to think of a thrasorologically related uh, word to refer to something that was confusing. So I myself am now disorientated. So I'm really happy to see that we have the same body as the 100S because I've always enjoyed using it. Fantastic grip. The dials work really nicely. I like the top LCD display. I use it for histograms, but you can do camera settings or virtual dials. Everything feels compact, rugged, dependable, and comfortable in the hand. So display-wise, we have a very similar story to the GFX 100S. We have that similar 2.36 million dot, three-way tilting, touch panel, and then the EVF is 3.69 million dots, which is fine, but very good optics in there. However, here is one negative nuance difference. Because the sensor on this camera reads relatively slowly, we're capped at 50 frame per second refresh rate here. Now, if you're shooting landscapes in still life, that doesn't bug you too much, but if you do need to move the camera to follow a moving subject or track something, or you know, even just when you're scanning situations, it just, it looks a little bit choppy and the rolling shutter in the EVF is apparent. So often you'll find yourself and your camera on somewhat unstable footing. And in that case, having IBIS is very important. It's one of the best features I like that's now carried over because we have the GFX 100S type body. It's always very important to have image stabilization with higher resolution sensors to maximize your detail. And keep in mind that most Fujifilm GFX lenses do not incorporate any lens-based IS. Now, Fujifilm is saying that you're gonna get six and a half stops on this GFX 50S body, uh, two. And so that's nice to have. It really does give me that extra security to know that I've got a nice stable shooting platform, especially with the new 35 to 70 zoom lens, which I'm using today, which as I have mentioned, does not have lens-based IS. There's a lot of other nice things carried over from the GFX 100S body. I do like that we have dual UHS-2 card slots in here. We also have the same battery that you'll find in the Fujifilm X-T4. If you're a Fujifilm user, you probably have these already. It's good for about 440 shots, super rated, slightly less than the 100S, but just barely. And I do like that we have USB-C charging in here now. That's something that we love to see in any modern camera, and you don't need PD-rated chargers to charge the camera, so that's a nice convenience as well. One thing though, even though we have dual UHS-2 card slots and I'm using a fast SD card, if I was shooting RAW plus JPEG lossless compressed at three pictures per second, the buffer seemed to slow down after only about eight shots. That's surprisingly little. Now along with the new body, we also do have the Fujifilm X-Processor 4 update in this camera. And as we've talked about with processors in some of our other videos, this is a very important upgrade. I mean, it will give us some small enhancements to things like autofocus. I'm gonna talk about that in just a bit, but Largely, it gives us better responsiveness, faster playback, you know, it navigates menus really nicely, and it gives us some future-proofing as well, so that as firmware updates come out for the new processor, this camera will benefit. It also gives us a lot of those new Fujifilm simulation modes, like Nostalgic Neg, which you can now find on this camera, happens to be one of my favorites, so I'm shooting that quite a bit for the sample gallery. All right, so now I wanna talk about the 51 megapixel sensor that you find in this camera, and I do feel this is the weak point of this camera. And first, let me preface this conversation by saying a few things. Hope everybody's listening. <laughs> 
I am in no way, shape, or form saying that this is a bad sensor that takes poor images. It's not. It takes beautiful images. 51 megapixels is plenty for most people. This camera's got detail. It's got tons of dynamic range. It takes beautiful photos. My main issue with this sensor is it's been taking those beautiful photos for seven years in many different cameras, largely unchanged, and it's now starting to show its age. So we've got issues first off like only having contrast detect autofocus. Now the new processor improves that a little bit. It's still pre-production, so I can't fully test it, but I will say, although snappier than what we've seen on the older cameras, it is still much slower than a proper hybrid autofocusing system that you find a lot in the modern Fuji film cameras. Now don't get me wrong, contrast detect autofocus is very precise. I like it for that. And the new processor does improve the face and eye detect experience. It's very accurate. You can see Jordan here, fantastic, handsome as always. But you still have a problem when you're doing continuous autofocus. You get that contrast detect wobble, which is very disconcerting. Uh, and you know, this sensor has a very slow read speed. We've talked about how that already limits your EVF to 50 frames per second. It also limits the camera to only shooting three shots per second in continuous drive mode. Um, you know, if you are trying to move with something and you're using electronic shutter, you get tons of rolling shutter. Something passes through, again, tons of rolling shutter. And all of this means that depending on what kinds of photography you do, you might find this camera very limiting, especially if you want to do maybe faster action kind of stuff, street photography, weddings, anything like that, where you might have some movement or might need to follow things. My main issue with the sensor is really when you start comparing it to full frame cameras. And it really comes down to things like dynamic range and resolution. Now, Jordan, I've definitely stated before that when Fujifilm puts the 100 megapixel sensor in their medium format cameras, that does give you substantial improvements over full frame resolution. And that's why we do love that sensor. Here though, Really now you've got cameras like the Nikon Z7 II basically matching the sensor for dynamic range. You got sensors like what you have in the Sony a7R 4 which give you more megapixels and even if you like that 4-3 look and you crop down the a7R 4 sensor, you're still basically getting the same megapixels. Plus you're getting hybrid autofocus, you're getting faster tracking, you're getting better burst rates, you're getting better battery life in a lot of cases, smaller more compact lenses and bodies, the list goes on and on. And then you get into video, and I think I should let Jordan talk about that next. Jordan, come on in. Just take the frame. Yeah. I'm, I'm wearing headphones. No, no, I, just take the head. Oh. All right, Jordan here to talk about the GFX 50S2 for shooting video. It's filming us right now in 1080 24. Uh, 1080 up to 30 frames per second is as high a resolution and frame rate as this camera can shoot. And I really loved the GFX 100 and 100S because they were phenomenal stills camera, but the video was still nice enough. You could use it for professional jobs in a pinch. I wouldn't buy them as dedicated video cameras, but they were still very capable. Where this, let's be honest, it's covered in moiré, it's very soft. Your cell phone is gonna do a better job of capturing video than this. So I would probably just disregard it on the video front. It's unfortunate because it has the in-body image stabilization, the photo video toggle, and the Eterna profile that I do really like, but the overall video quality just means it's a non-starter. But it's not all doom and gloom. I do wanna mention the 35 to 70 lens. This was our first time using it, and I think it's gonna be a surprisingly capable video lens. Just very compact, so it'd be nice on a gimbal. And it's extremely well breathing corrected at both 35 and 70 millimeters. So I'm really looking forward to putting this lens on a GFX 100S or 100 body that does good video, seeing how it performs there, but it's promising. So my final thoughts are these. So first off, there's a lot to like about this camera, but it does mostly come down to the excellent body design, which we already love, and the better processor, which we already love from the GFX100S. 
The price point here is the key to understand this camera because Fujifilm is trying to make a medium format camera at a more entry level price point, something that gets people more into the medium format system. And I think first off, if you are looking and are dead set on a 50 megapixel medium format camera, this is the best one to buy. I would take this over the 50R, I would take this over the 50S, I would take this over an X1D2, Pentax 645Z even used, I mean, whatever. This is a fantastic camera, but there also in lies the issue. You see, although this camera is substantially more affordable than a GFX100S, if you need 100 megapixels of resolution for the work, if that's what it demands, then that justifies the extra cost and that's the way that you should go. Most of us don't need 100 megapixels and so then it gets really cloudy because this camera is substantially more expensive than say a Nikon Z7 II or a Sony a7R4 which give us similar dynamic range, similar resolution and you know more compact, lots of different lenses and we've already talked about those benefits but it makes it hard to really recommend this camera for somebody looking for a high-end first system. Possibly if you have a 100S and you want a backup camera this could be a good option. Everything will be familiar, it'll behave in a very similar way albeit with downgraded autofocus performance and burst rates as well as read speeds. But otherwise, I think a full frame mirrorless camera will serve most of you better. So to answer our earlier question, is this just a GFX100S with an old 50 megapixel sensor in it? Essentially the answer is yes, and that is our main issue with this camera, and hopefully our video justifies why we feel this way about this product. In the future, if we see a new sub 100 megapixel medium format sensor that has better dynamic range, better low light performance, fast scanning, high burst speeds, that would certainly be a very compelling product and we'd absolutely want to revisit this story. Otherwise, we really appreciate you guys joining us. Do check out our sample gallery. It's waiting for you on deepreview.com. You can see the link in the description below. Otherwise, we'll see you soon. We appreciate it. this edition of the Liam Photography Podcast. The best way to support the show is to subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or anywhere else that you get your podcasts. If you want to leave comments or suggestions for future episodes, you can call or text the show at area code 470-294-8191. And you can email the show at liam at liamphotographypodcast.com. You can find the show notes and links at liamphotographypodcast.com and you can tweet the show at liamphotoatl using the hashtag liamphotopodcast. And now, back to the show. Okay, so wrapping up, I agree 100% with pretty much everything these guys said in their review video. The GFX 50S 2 is a great camera. It would have been a better camera if they would have put a new sensor in it, and if they would have gone with, in my opinion, they'd have been better off going with phase detect autofocus instead of the contrast detect. I know Chris likes the contrast detect autofocus. He says it works really well. Uh, I don't agree on that. I haven't actually tried this camera yet myself, but having the 50R, I can tell you that the contrast detect autofocus isn't that great. Now, if they had put a new sensor in that had a faster readout, then maybe they could get better performance from the, the contrast detect AF. But as it stands right now, no, I don't think so. I, I have to disagree with him on that. 
And with all due respect to Chris and Jordan, they make fantastic review videos, which is why I wanted to share their review of this camera and lens. Now, the lens itself does have me excited. I've told you before, I'm very interested in getting the 35-70 to 70 lens that Fuji just announced with this camera. Uh, I'm still kind of bummed out that they doubled the price. If you're a, a current GFX owner, you have to pay $1,000 to get the lens, where if you bought the 50S and the lens is a kit, you could get the lens for $500. But I'm keeping my fingers crossed that being they're at the same price point as the 50mm WR lens, I'm hoping that a few times per year they'll cut the price by 500 bucks and I can pick it up for 500 instead of 1000 But again, we'll have to wait and see. All right, this is going to wrap up episode 184 of the Liam Photography Podcast. Remember to check out the Liam Photography Podcast Facebook group. It is a private group, and you must answer a security question to join, which is the name of the host of the show, myself, Liam. And I've also opened it up to allow you to give the name of a previous guest on the show to show that you are a listener. Once you are in the group, you are free to post your own original work. I'm also the admin of the Fujifilm GFX 50R group, which is the largest group for the 50R on Facebook. If you own or plan to own the 50R, you can request to join that group, but you do have to answer two security questions to join that group. You can find my work at liamphotography.net and follow me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at liamphotoatl. If you like abandoned buildings and history, you can find my projects at forgottenpiecesofgeorgia.com and forgottenpiecesofpennsylvania.com. And I want to thank all of my listeners once again for subscribing, rating, and reviewing an Apple Podcasts and anywhere else you might be getting your podcast. I also wanted to remind you to stop by the Liam Photography YouTube channel, subscribe to the channel, watch the videos, like them, share them, comment on them, hit the little bell icon so you can be notified as new content drops. Also, don't forget about the ongoing contest. You can find the link for that in the show notes. That'll be wrapping up in October and the winner will be announced. And if you'd be so kind, please stop by on YouTube and give a give some love to the Forgotten Pieces of Georgia and Pennsylvania channels as well. All right, that's going to wrap up this episode, and I will see you all again on Thursday. Mm -hmm.